For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. All right, welcome in. It is another edition. It is a Friday edition of the Coaching Chatter Podcast. Uh, joining me is Craig Ladd and very special guest from the Believe in Vols podcast, Kyler Kirbyson. Kyler, what's up, man? Uh, nothing much. Just trying to uh, enjoy the new AD and coach we just got. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's exciting times. And uh, our other host, Kurt Page, he will be uh, he'll be on a little bit later. Um, he is actually stuck in traffic. That's not just an excuse. So we'll hear from him here in a little bit. Uh, but Kyler, we're glad to have you on, man. So you're excited. You're excited about the uh, about the coaching hire. But before you get into it, uh, you can find us uh, at DC Craig Ladd. Uh, you can find me at Coach Burton 36. Kyler, where can we find you and your show on social media? Um, at Kyler Kerbison on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Um, and on all streaming platforms of podcasts, believe in Tennessee football, it's it's up there. So come there check it out. We just talk Tennessee football, man. There you go. Believe in Tennessee football. It. Go check it out. Um, it's part of the uh, the beefed up SEC coverage that uh, that we have here on the Believe Network. So it's good to have you on. Uh, we're brought to you by Soar Athletic Training. We have a, a a camp coming up on Sunday at Friendship Christian. So uh, be there. Or be square uh, for some great youth development. So, a uh, great camp coming up, and uh, also our sponsor that we'll get into here in a little bit, uh, the hometown team of Keller Williams Realty. Uh, Kenny Salas will. Uh, you should you should find him if you're looking for to buy a home in Wilson County or any surrounding county. He could probably help you out because guess what? He's a badass, and uh, I think I get a bonus for for saying that. But all right, so the timeline, Kyler. Uh, we we have the investigation. All right, yep. that was about a month prior to all this firing and, and circus that, that happened uh, just recently. Uh, Pruitt gets fired. Fulmer resigns or retires. Uh, and then they bring in Danny White. So when they brought in Danny White, uh, were you – like the first name that came to my mind was Josh Heupel. Like th- that was the first name that popped in my head when they hired him. How did you react to to the AD hiring and then uh, sub, sub – I can't even say that word uh, immediately after the, the head coaching hire of Josh Heupel. Uh, so I was very positive with the hire of Danny White um, through his track record, went in and looked at all the different head coaches he had hired, not just football, but women's basketball, men's basketball, softball coach. And every single coach was over uh 60% win percentage for wherever they were at, at that moment, they're, they're winning coaches. And that said a lot to me. I mean, the way he was able to run a pro, the way he was able to pick people in the right position said a lot to me. I didn't think Josh Heupel, when we first hired him, I didn't think that was going to be the next step because if 
he had that close relationship with him, you know, why wasn't Josh Heupel the first head coach he hired at UCF? I, I think it's, I think it's a, quite a conspiracy theory of as soon as Danny White got hired, he just went over to Josh Heupel like wiggity wiggity wiggity. We're about to get a bunch of money and both go to Tennessee. I think he did his research. I think he looked into coaches, um, interviewed a lot of guys, but there's guys out there that have no reason to leave where they're at and no reason to come to Tennessee in the state that it is in at this moment. You know, maybe 15 years ago, Tennessee was seen as a top tier job and one of the best ones you could get in the country. But right now it's not. And if you're being realistic, you have to understand that. So I think he did his job. I don't think he just sat on his hands for a week and just said, oh, well, if I wait a week and then hire Hypo, it won't look as bad. I think he did his job. I think he went and looked out at other people. And from the press conference, it's obvious that he's not going to hire the Lane Kiffins, the Hugh Freezes, the James Franklins, because his most important thing was character and integrity. And I know people want the Lane Kiffin, but you can't trust him. I mean, anything that that guy says, you cannot trust what comes out of his mouth because of his prior actions, you know? That, that's, that's what proves it to me, your actions, not the words that you say. So I like the hire. I wouldn't necessarily say I love it of uh, Hypel. I think because recruiting. That's what worries me a little bit. Um, you know, this past year he was 75th in the nation in recruiting. I know it's UCF and it's a lot harder to get those big-name guys. But – I don't necessarily see him as that big recruiter. I think he needs to get a lot of help around him to help bring in people. And I really hope, you know, he keeps on some of the staff of, of T Martin because he's a great recruiter and, you know, a Tennessee legend. I think that would help. Like he said, one of the most important things is, is closing the borders of that state and trying to keep guys in as much as possible. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know, what, one of the things that jumps out at me is, is the offensive production uh, for him, uh, there was some uh, the Tennessee football Twitter uh, at Vol underscore football put out uh, this graphic for FBS ranks, and I didn't know they kept stats like this, like points per minute um, first in the country, plays per minute at 3.04 first in the country, total offense 547.96 yards uh, per game first in the country. So uh, and then fifth in the country in scoring offense, and then um, ninth in the country in wins with 28 uh, from 2018 to the season that just completed. So, um, what? So my question is like, Harrison Bailey's got to be licking his chops, right? Oh yeah, uh, I think every offensive player is super excited, except for the offensive lineman. Uh, we have a few guys that are up near the 330s, and they're gonna have to get down to around 300. If they're going up tempo, I had the same exact thing happen to me when I was at UT with Dooley, and we ran a power scheme. We huddled every play, ran you know counter and power were our big plays, and I was playing offensive guard, and I was three thirty, and just road grading people. That was that was mainly what we were doing. And then Butch comes in, and it's up tempo, it's fast. We're spreading everything out. I had to get down to three oh five to be able to just keep up with the fast pace 
you know, it was all about as soon as that ball is thrown, you run downfield as offensive lineman, you get to the uh, hash marks to try and set up for the next play. And we wanted to snap the ball with 20 seconds left on the, on the play clock. So I think it's going to be the toughest transition for those offensive linemen. But I think that, you know, Harrison Bailey, uh, Caden Salter just came in uh, as a freshman. I think they're very excited. I think Hooker is excited too, just came from Virginia Tech. It's going to be a big competition between those three guys. And I love the fact that Heupel has a lot of experience with quarterbacks because the past three years and what we've been struggling with, not necessarily bringing in the best guys, it's developing the best guys. It's developing their play, uh, making the right decisions at quarterback having a productive offense and it, that just hasn't happened. I mean, if you really look at it over the past three years, UCS teams would have been favored going, like going into UT. Like if you played UT, if UCF played UT this year, they would have probably been favored to win towards the end of the year. If they would have played UT last year at the beginning of the year, when we lost it, you know, Georgia Southern, they would have probably been favored to beat us and the year before new coach, they would have probably been favored to beat us and his worst offensive year, arguably when he gets fired from Oklahoma in 2015, his offense was ranked 23rd in the nation. He got fired for that as an offensive coordinator. We were just a hundred and second in the nation. So it is a great thing that we have this kind of mind. I just want him to bring in others with him and, you know, there's, that's all anybody's talking about at Vol Nation, uh, the coaches he's going to bring around him. And, I'm, you know, I'm seeing some whispers about maybe John Chavis, which I would absolutely love because he's a great defensive coordinator, but also a was good Was he recruiter. there when you were there? He was not, no. So he, he was fired when Phillip uh, was let go in 2008. So I, I missed out on him, but – I mean, he has had legendary defenses all throughout the SEC and is a coach most people would kill for. He just wants to find the right position, and I don't know if Tennessee can entice him that much, but I would love to have him. Craig, go ahead. Here's my question. Um, what is the infatuation with Lane Kiffin? Um <laughs> He was seven and six at UT. If, if you read Twitter, you would have thought he won a national championship at UT and then left for USC. I don't get the infatuation with him. You know, he was with the Raiders. He got fired in 2008 after four games. He gets fired after five games at USC. I mean, I just don't get it. And he was five and five last year at Ole Miss. It's not like he went undefeated. Yeah. I don't get the infatuation. Yeah, I agree. I think he's uh, – it's the bad boy in him. It's, it's uh, ooh, look at this shiny new toy. Um, you know, his one year at Tennessee, he was able to bring in a very, very good recruiting class. And I think that made people feel like if he would have stayed, it would have been even better. Um, you know, brought in the number one recruit, and Bryce Brown, and he didn't end up being who he was supposed to be as a player – um, and that's, you know, partly because the coaching changes and he didn't necessarily agree with the next coach up in Dooley. But I, I just don't understand um, 
how people can trust him as much as they are overhyped by really cool offenses and scoring a lot of points and, and bringing in certain recruits and being a cool guy. Uh, but there's a lot of downside to him. You know, the Raiders, when they fired him, said, this guy duped us. He lied to us. He wasn't the right fit. He made it seem like he was something he wasn't. Uh, then he comes to UT. He leaves us for his dream job, as they say. But it's, you know, it's it's still a very messed up thing to do to just parlay us, use us for a year so you can get your dream job. He fails at USC. He goes to Alabama in the ultimate redemption story kind of program. I mean, everyone who goes to Alabama, every head coach that gets fired goes to Alabama to try and help their resume out and get another coaching job. And he's high flash offense, but he doesn't mess well with Saban. Saban doesn't like him. He pushes Lane Kiffin out the door. And he goes to FIU. He does well there. And his AD there is Danny White's brother. So Danny White can get a full spectrum of who kind of person Lane Kiffin is. But to bring him back here would mean he'd leave another team Ole Miss after one year, just like he did to us. And it's like I'm a like we're a mistress and we just cheated. We just got a guy to cheat on his wife with us. And now we're expecting that he won't cheat on us if we marry him. That's literally what's happening. I don't like we're so damaged as a fan base through all the stuff that has happened. I I wonder, I want to ask Coach Heupel, hey, are you gonna leave for Oklahoma if they offer you? If Lincoln Riley gets a head coaching job in the NFL because every year they're they're coming after him and they offer you the job, would you leave us? Because I've been hurt. I've been hurt in the past, and it sucks. <laughs> I don't want that to happen again. He so, probably would. Uh, I know that's that's what honest. I'm saying. That that would that would be his dream job. He was a you know Heisman runner up, a national champion at Oklahoma. That's you know that's where he played. That's where he coached for 15 years. Obviously, that would be his dream job to be a head coach there. So it it worries me some just because of our past. I mean, we like the Tennessee fan base is so damaged. If we get the best person available, we still are doubting it. Well, let me ask you this too, Kyler. Um, Personally, I think I had a better chance of getting the job than Hugh Freeze. My experience (laughs) is with youth football. There was no way they're going to touch Hugh Freeze considering what's going on at this moment under the Jeremy Pruitt regime. Yeah, I I completely agree with you. And I think it's naive to think, uh, you know, Greg Sankey doesn't doesn't have anything to do with Hugh Freeze not getting jobs. He, you know, he tried to come out with like, oh, we're not restricting anybody. That's completely up to them if they want to hire him, saying, oh, I'm not going to put the cookie jar up. It's completely up to you if you get it. But if you were to steal a cookie, you're going to be grounded. It's completely up to you. (laughs) But if you steal a cookie, you're getting grounded. So I agree with you. I think Hugh Freeze isn't the right person at this point, obviously. And Hugh Freeze doesn't need to leave Liberty. He's making three mil a year at Liberty, and 
he's going to be able to parlay this job into another head coaching job at any moment. And why not go to, you know, a Big Ten or, or a Pac-12 school where you're not in the same SEC, you don't have to worry about Greg Sankey on your back, you can do what you want out there, and you don't have the competition you would in the SEC, and you can still end up in the college football playoffs. That's what people aren't necessarily understanding. Tennessee is in a tough position, not just because of NCAA sanctions, but because we're an SEC school. We have to fight against Georgia and Florida to win the East. We have to play Alabama every single year. That is a game on our schedule every single year, and they're the best team in the nation almost every single year. So when a coach comes in here, he realizes I have a lot. It's an uphill battle every time. Tony Elliott, for instance, why would he leave Clemson as an offensive coordinator there? He's had such a great time for the past five years since 2015. He's had the you know huge numbers on offense. He's going to get other head coaching job offers as the years go by. There's no reason for him to leave there. There's no reason for him to leave and come to Tennessee where it's literally going to be the toughest job he could have. So it's, it's like I said before, it's naive of us to think we are, you know, the same position we were in 20 years ago, you know, when we won a national championship, like we are that program. We're not necessarily that program anymore. We can get there, but we have to, you know, self-check who we are. So where do you go now? Um, staff hires, things like that. Um, I've, I'm hearing Glenn Ellerby is a possible addition. Also, uh, defensive coordinator, where, where does Tennessee go with that? Yeah, so I'm not sure because they still haven't come out with stuff about Kevin Steele, what exactly they're going to do. If they do release him, we got to pay the guy $900,000, which stinks because he was only here for two weeks. Um, but, I mean, that kind of shows the management of everything because when he was hired, Fulmer was still here. Pruitt was still here. Just a mismanagement of that entire organization that was going on. And I, I'm, I'm not sure, you know. Like I said, I heard some inklings of John Chavis because he's – you know, coaching a middle school in Knoxville right now, uh, middle school team in Knoxville. So he's there. He's there if, if, if someone were to go talk to him and offer him, you know, a good amount of money. I think, you know, one of the most important things is a good recruiter on defense because with the offense that Hypo runs, you can only play as good as defense as you – there's a limit, Right how fast they are, those numbers you brought up, how many plays they run in a minute, how many you know, points they have per minute. It's out of this world, and a defense is going to be behind the eight ball almost all the time because we're going to score in 40 seconds, and good luck to what you do. It, it was almost the same thing that happened to us in 2012. We had Tyler Bray at quarterback and Justin Hunter and Cordero Patterson and Michael Rivera and Zach Rogers and a really good offensive line. We had so many offensive weapons and was the second-best Tennessee offense in the history of Tennessee that year, and we went 5-7 and because our defense couldn't hold up. They couldn't keep up with us. We would score in 30 seconds, but they'd have to get back on the field dead tired and let up 700 yards to Troy. So if that's the kind of stuff that might happen under this offense, then – 
we need to get guys in there that are good coaches, yes, but most importantly, good recruiters and guys that can get the top tier talent here to Tennessee. Yeah. I want to elaborate. I'm sorry, Corey. I want to elaborate no, more on the Kevin Steele deal. As you said, they, if they decide, if Heupel decides he doesn't want Steele on his, it's going to call on his staff, it's going to cost Tennessee $900,000. And I wouldn't blame him for not wanting him. If I'm coming in as a head coach, I don't want them shoving the DC down my throat. And I know nothing about him. Yeah. You know, he, he can mess things up and it affects my paycheck. So yeah. I get I get it. But it makes me think, and I want you to elaborate on that, it makes me think that former hiring him and to a two-year contract when he did, I really think that former had no idea, and I think he was forced to retire at that moment that he was going to be forced to retire. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it definitely points towards that, that, you know, at that moment of the hire, he saw it as, oh, this is all Pruitt's fault, and I'm going to be here, and I need another person to step in and, and you know, be the next head coach under my athletic director title. But when I look at everything that happens, when I look at the fact that he was forced to retire – I think he had something to do with those NCAA violations. I think he was part of it. I think he did a lot of meddling and uh, wanted to be the head coach again. It, it, you know, it was something that he enjoyed. It was the, the best times of his life. He won a national championship. I think, you know, he really wanted to almost be the head coach. And I feel like it gave Pruitt a bad rap. I, I you know, I had, I don't think he was put in the best situation because Philip Fulmer was there. I mean, you think Jeremy Pruitt would hire T. Martin if it wasn't for Philip Fulmer or hire Kevin Simon or hire Jay Graham? I don't think so. He has no connection with those guys. And, you know, they reported that Fulmer and T. Martin had a verbal agreement that T. would be the offensive coordinator, have a two-year contract as offensive coordinator. That right there tells me, okay, they had secret meetings behind the head coach's back to promote him. So the head coach has no say in who his offensive coordinator is going to be for the next two years. It's all on the AD. That doesn't make any sense. That's, that's a head coach not being able to run his team, run his program. And when you do that, when you have that division, it, it's not going to work out. You're going to go three and seven. And uh, I think – at this point, everyone around the nation could have these violations if someone said something. I think a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of schools bend the rules of the NCAA and try and get around stuff, and they don't get caught. I think that's the main thing. And I think, you know, Fulmer back in the day when he was a head coach, he was probably doing that too. And when he came here, he's like, hey, let's, let's do it again. Like, I was able to get really good recruiting classes because I did it this way. Let's do it again. And it 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 almost seems, it, once you look back at everything, the fact that we hired Jeremy Pruitt, who's never been a head coach before in the college ranks, who was just a coordinator, you know, didn't go after any guys with head coaching experience, needed someone who hadn't been in that position before. So 
Philip could feel like, oh, well, I can give my two cents and I can be able to manipulate some things to where it comes in my favor. I think they figured that out, that he did that, and that's why they're forcing him to retire. But they don't want to give him a bad name. He's a legend at Tennessee. They don't want to slander him. And they also don't want anybody looking further into whatever he might have done in the past and vacating wins from us, our only national championship in the past 30 years. We don't want that taken away. So let's let him retire. Let's keep paying him a little bit, and that'll be it. So I think Jeremy didn't get the best position that he could have, and I feel bad for him with that but I'm excited about what it, what the future will hold because I don't feel like Danny or Hypel or anybody like that is being manipulated or controlled or is in anyone's pockets or they're, they're out of the realm. You understand what I'm saying? They're not buddy-buddy. They didn't used to go to Tennessee or know the boosters really well or anything like that, which makes me feel better about the direction moving forward. Yeah, that's, that's great. I mean, I, I think – um, moving forward, it's a little bit better. Um, but I mean, all that stuff you hear about Philip Fulmer and the inner workings and when, when he was hired as AD, it kind of felt like all of that, uh, to me, uh, from the outside looking in, just knowing, you know, that he had the itch to get back in the head coaching role. And the fact that he settled on Pruitt led me to believe that he's hiring somebody that he felt like he could control. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, at the, at the time, I didn't necessarily see it. It wasn't that apparent to me. I was just like, oh, you know, a couple of the best defenses as, that have been in the SEC were hiring that coach. So that that's awesome. I, I like that, that we're hiring one of the best coordinators in the SEC. But looking back on it, it, it makes sense. that You're hiring a guy who hasn't had that experience, who's coming into it, doesn't really know who to hire. He can't hire, you know, the guys he worked with in high school football. They're, they're you know, they're not yeah. to the level. So Fulmer can say, hey, look, he uh, he was a really good wide receiver coach at USC and, you know, is a UT legend. And, yeah, he'll help with recruiting. Bring him on in. Bring him on in and, and can, you know, put his two cents in and be able to control the narrative and, and what, what can happen with the team. And I feel bad that that's, that's how it went. I, you know, I, I never think that if it were to go different, maybe we have a different record. Maybe Pruitt's still here. But that divisiveness and, and the meddling and the, you know, having different sides and having meetings with coaches behind the head coach's back is never going to work. No, not at all, ever. Um, and, and, you know, you, you feel – I don't know. Pruitt kind of got himself into it uh, a little bit as well. I mean, his personality is very abrasive, and um, I've heard that Pruitt is actually getting ready to sign on with the the New York Giants. Yes, yes, he is. Um, it's very funny too because a former Tennessee Vol head coach and Derek Dooley is up there also. So I'm sure they have some fun stories to share with each other about trying to be the head coach at Tennessee. Um, yes. I don't know. Hopefully, whatever position that you know he's signing up there or anything like that, that it can help rehabilitate him and get him to the right spot. I mean, obviously, he had poor decision making while he was here. You know, I don't. You know, when I'm saying, you know, Philip 
manipulated some stuff or, or got involved. I'm not trying to take blame away from Pruitt. I'm just trying to say that that happened. Pruitt also mismanaged the quarterback situation, um, wasn't able to bring in the defensive scheme that he really wanted. And that's, you know, those are reasons why he got fired. Um, and I'm just happy that now we have a guy who knows quarterbacks, who's very good with quarterbacks, who has a Heisen winner underneath his belt and has had, you know, five different quarterbacks that he's coached sign with NFL teams. So he's got a great resume with that. And that's one of the things that we struggled with the most last year. Yeah, absolutely. Greg? Uh, Kyler, is there anybody – well, I'll say this. Are, are they going to retain anybody from the staff? Does anybody have a shot besides Kevin Steele from this previous staff to be retained? I know Ainsley has gone to the NFL with the Chargers. Jake Graham supposedly going to Alabama to be special teams coach, tight end coach. I, anybody have a shot? Does T have I, a shot? Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I think – if anything, my thought process was maybe some defensive coaches because he is an offensive coach, so he's not necessarily as comfortable with defense. And, you know, one of his biggest points in his presser was to make the assistant coaches underneath him in the offense understand his dynamics, understand what he wants out of the offense, understand the pace, the speed, the techniques that we're going to have to use to get this offense going and then that to trickle down, which makes me feel like he's probably going to bring staff he's comfortable with from UCF on offense. Now, because of that, he's an offensive coach. I thought defense is probably open. It is, you know, Kevin Steele, if he meets with him and impresses him, can probably stay on. I, I wouldn't see, you know, he's got a great resume. He's been in the SEC for years. He's a pretty good defensive coordinator it just seems like they just need to mesh well if they're able to mesh well then you know maybe he keeps them on and you know t martin's just put in quite a predicament i think you know philip promised him what he wanted and and you know to be an oc at tennessee but he you know even if he was to stay on maybe be wide receiver coach or oh Offensive coordinator, in a sense, Heupel's still calling the plays. He said he was going to, so it's not really what you want. Mm -mm. So if I go to T and say, hey, we'll keep you on. You can be an off offensive coordinator by title, but you're not going to call any plays. You can coach up the wide receivers. I don't know if he would necessarily want that job. I, I, I think he wants to keep moving up in the ranks. I think he wants to get a chance as an offensive coordinator somewhere. So I don't know if he would even take that if it was offered to him. So in the future, I really don't see T. Martin being here. I wish he was. I wish he would stay. I wish he could be a part of the staff. But I think Hypo wants to bring in his own guys and make everything comfortable for him so his offense can run as smoothly as possible. No doubt. I mean, you know, I don't blame Hypo for that at all. I mean, he, he's got a good thing going. And uh, what, do, what do you say, like, to the to the naysayers of, like, Josh Heupel, he, you know, he's just capitalizing off Scott Frost's recruits. He, you know, UCF has been on a steady decline since he took over. You know, what, what do you notice from, from that end of it? Um, I would, yes, that, that 
I mean, that makes sense that they have been on a steady decline. He's also kept the offense as one of the best in the country the entire time. They went six and four this year, but his offense was still ranked in the top three. So it's not that, you know, he has been failing at what he does best. What he does best is amazing. It's one of the best in the country. And that's where we're headed as college football. I mean, the SEC championship was a 42 or 52 to 46 game. There's not defense to be played. The national champion in Alabama, the closest team to them on any game that they played was Ole Miss because they scored so many points and had zero defense. So it's, it's heading in that direction, very offensive-centric in college football, and I think he meets that mold. He also had about 10 players opt out before the season started for UCF, which can affect you a lot, you know, and it's not like UCF is the only time he's ever been a good coach. I mean, he was a good coach at Oklahoma. He was a good coach at Missouri, number one offense in the SEC when he was there. UCF isn't his only records, I should say, and he was able to do a lot with a little. I mean, just imagine what he could do here. You know, people say he wasn't as successful, but like I said in the beginning, you would have picked UCF this year over Tennessee to win because of how bad Tennessee was. And did was that because of the skill of players? Was that because, you know, they had a lot of five stars and, and we didn't? No, it's because of the coaching. It's because of how they won games. I mean, they, they have three stars. That's it. They maybe have one four-star guy on their team and they're still able to be successful at what they do. So I, I like it. I, I don't necessarily think he's uh, fallen out. I mean, you know, are people going to say that about Ryan Day at Ohio State, that the reason why he's successful is because of Urban Meyer? Um, no. they're Oh, yeah, Ohio State's really good. Ryan Day's really good. So why would you say it about, about uh, Heupel? People are just looking for things to pick apart. And, you know, I, I would argue, Craig and, and Kyler, that he helped, you know, Scott Frost got it started, obviously, um, but he kind of helped finish it in raising the level of play in the American Conference. I mean, you saw an extremely competitive Group of Five conference. You had Cincinnati, who was vying for a playoff spot. They had to raise their game under Luke Fickle, in which they did. Uh, their defensive coordinator is now over at Notre Dame. Uh, they and, and they have Desmond Ritter, who's going to be an NFL quarterback whenever he whenever he leaves. He's coming back, I think, for his, for for one more year. But uh, then you had what Tulsa, uh, you had UCF, you have Memphis. I mean, you have four teams right there. I can name off the top of my head that are just incredible uh, with with the level of play. And I think that with with UCF going on the run that they've been on has forced those teams to elevate their game. Uh, SMU too, uh, to elevate their game to be able to compete with UCF and everybody's chasing UCF. Uh, yeah. and, and, and so I, I was really impressed by that. Um, even though that, yeah, they were six and four this year. One of their losses was against probably one of the best group of five seasons of all time in BYU, uh, with Zach Wilson, who's going to be a, a multi-year starting quarterback in the NFL. Yep. And Kalani Sataki's doing a tremendous job out West, uh, there at BYU. So, 
I mean, I I think personally, I think you're getting a good one in in Josh Heupel. Um, and and as a Georgia fan, I you know over the next couple of seasons with the depleted roster, I'm not as worried. But when he finally can kind of get his rhythm going, they're going to be Tennessee's going to be a hell of a team, and they're going to be they're going to be really tough to deal with. And and I think Tennessee fans are going to be excited as long as they can be patient through this rough, turbulent time of of uh, of NCAA possible whatever NCAA uh, sanctions come down, I think if Tennessee fans can be patient, which is easier said than done, they can do some special things under Hypel because Hypel adapts. Right, he's a great coach that adapts. He knows his personnel. He does all the right things uh, as far as recruiting. I mean, he can recruit on the offensive side of the ball. He will hire a defensive coordinator that can do the same. And I, I think you know it's going to be interesting to see the direction he goes. Uh, with his defensive staff, and and uh, I think if he hits a home run there, Tennessee might be good sooner rather than later. Yeah. I mean, let me ask you this, guys. I, supposedly, the the top three when Pruitt was hired, when former made the hire, were Mel Tucker, Kevin Steele, and Jeremy Pruitt. I'll ask both of you: Would you rather have Josh Heupel than any of those three? This is before Jeremy Pruitt. Would you rather have Josh Heupel than those three? My answer is unequivocally yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I completely agree. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, Mel Tucker, uh, love the guy. Love the guy as a defensive coordinator. Love what he did at, at, at Georgia uh, for Kirby Smart. But my God, the guy. I don't know what he was thinking of leaving Colorado. He was starting to build something pretty good there, uh, and then left, and he's kind of fallen on his face now. So yeah, I would most definitely rather have Heupel than than any of those three. Yeah, and it, it just doesn't look good for defensive-minded coaches right now. Uh, it's like I said, it's it's all offensive league. I mean, even you know Nick Saban to be the defensive-minded coach he is, he he completely changed everything he did uh, because he saw where everything was going. I mean, you know, he had a what nine to twelve national championship versus LSU in 2012, I think it was, and it was all about defense back then. And he, you know, he saw the writing on the wall, saw that, you know, it's up-tempo, it's fast. You know, it's literally because he played that Auburn team and Cam Newton beat him that he said, this is the future. This is what it's going to be. I have to adjust. I have to actually get a quarterback that's good in here. I can't just rely on big offensive linemen and a nice running game. I need to get a good quarterback in here and was, you know, able to find three in a row that were, you know, Heisman candidates, every single one of them. So I think it's it's a bad trend to be a defensive coordinator trying to get a head coaching position right now just because of how everything is is focused towards the offense. And I definitely would w- rather have Heupel. I mean, you talk about the losses that he might have had at UC, that he had at UCF. This past year, he had four losses. One was by ten point by more than ten points. The other three were a combined eight points. If you combined the amount of points differential of those games, it's eight. The previous year, he lost two or three games. The combined was seven points. So, you know, over the past two years, he's had seven losses, and there are combined, you know, 17 points, 16 points of, of you know, points he could have scored. It's just one possession game. He's very close to what he needs to be. 
And for people to nitpick at him and how much he's lost, Jeremy Pruitt lost 10, 16 games by 10 or more points in his three years. Josh Heupel lost one in his three years at UCF. So in any way, if you think this is a demotion, if this is worse than what we were before, you're not paying attention to what's going on out there. Absolutely, and you heard it here. Uh, I mean, I, I'm excited. You're excited. Craig's excited. So uh, something else to get excited for, and, and Kyler, uh, we're, we're going to keep you around, and we're going to talk some some of these NFL hires. Um, but before we do that, uh, again, uh, as I mentioned, the show is brought to you by Soar Athletic Training and also uh, the hometown team, uh, Kenny Salas uh, and the hometown team. You can visit them at uh, hometownteam615.com that's uh, Keller Williams Realty you can find them on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and LinkedIn they do a phenomenal job in the Mount Juliet, Wilson County, Lebanon area and uh, they they houses are flying off the market in, in that county, that county is exploding and, and uh, the hometown team is at the forefront of that so if you're looking to buy in Wilson County please hit up my guy uh, Kenny Salas and his team uh, with uh, Keller Williams Realty and the hometown team uh, at hometownteam615.com, they're badass. So, um, again, let's uh, let's jump into the let's jump into the NFL. Let's jump into some of these other coaching moves. Okay, uh, today or actually not not today, yesterday, uh, and, and today there's been some actually some staff movement uh, with the Houston Texans and that whole ordeal. Uh, they hired Dave Cully as their next head coach. That one left me scratching my head. Um, I'm trying to figure out where Eric Bieniemy is going to end up. Talk about a guy who's just down on, on luck as far as getting NFL jobs. Uh, I don't know if you want the Houston Texans job anyway, but then again, who knows? Uh, but they're they're finalizing a deal with Lovey Smith, former Illinois head coach, to be defensive coordinator. They've also hired Tim Kelly as OC, Pep Hamilton as quarterbacks coach as well. Uh, so the Houston Texans, Deshaun Watson has officially requested a trade. What's going on, Kyler, out there in Houston? So my understanding of it, um, it has a lot to do with uh, Jack Easterby, who came in from the Patriots. Not sure why uh, the McNairs, the owners, love everyone that has ever been a part of the Patriots, but they do. Uh, apparently came in. I mean, the guy started as a team chaplain, and now he's apparently in McNair's ear, um, you know, making – choices on things and and being a vice president of player uh, development and it's a very strange atmosphere I think you know this came out that Deshaun Watson requested a trade but he did it weeks ago he told them hey this is what I want moving forward I would like you to consider African-American coaches more I would like to be involved whenever you do decide uh, on a head coach or whenever you do decide on a GM. I just like to be in the meeting. I just like to know about it first. I wouldn't want to learn about it on Twitter. And they didn't listen. They didn't listen to him. They hired, uh, you know, Cully. Yeah, yeah, they hired Nick Casario, um, who has never hired anyone before. You know, he was the player personnel guy in New England, but he had Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick was the GM. He was the making the decisions. He was, you know, picking the players. And, you know, Nick had that to fall back on. He's never hired a coach before. So, I mean, this is not easy for him at this moment. And it's also very interesting to note 
that Nick Casario and uh, Jack Easterby have the exact same agent. Uh, so came out that that agent was in a meeting with the McNairs and said, though, the Carolina Panthers are also interested in both of them and they're willing to poach both of them. And uh, McNairs had to make a change very quick right away. And I think that was the reasoning behind it. I think that was one of the reasons um, stuff didn't quite go well for Deshaun Watson because he wasn't involved in those decisions. He, they didn't take Eric Bieniemy uh, seriously, which he is the best offensive coordinator in the NFL right now, like by far. And it's so crazy that he doesn't have a head coaching job at this point. I mean, everyone who works with him thinks the same thing. Andy Reid is blown away. Patrick Mahomes is blown away. I think you know, bringing in Dave Culley was literally – a last-ditch effort to say, hey, we're bringing in an offensive passing coordinator, and he's also African. So you should love this, right, Deshaun? Like, you're going to want to stay. But that's that's just not how things work. Right, exactly. And I, I thought, man, you know, it just from the word go, I, I just thought, you know, starting with Bill O'Brien, just completely dismantling the, the offense and trading away uh, Will Fuller, not Will Fuller. I uh, probably should trade away Will Fuller, but uh, trading away DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, what was was an absolute mess. And uh, actually, joining us uh, fresh off the practice field at Faulkner University, it is Kurt Page. Kurt, unmute and uh, welcome. Hey, great, great to catch up with y'all. Uh, coaching chatter is full, full fledged, ro- rolling. Uh, yeah, we just got off practice field, Faulkner University. I'm uh, just a uh, special assistant to the head coach, Tommy Wiseman. He's let me cruise the field and uh, assess things and look at things and learn. So it's been a great day. Love talking about the Houston, Texas, and our coach, David Cully. He was my first coach of all time at the collegiate level when he was a GA at Vanderbilt. Oh, okay. Well, uh, you certainly have some good insight on him, and we'll get to that here in just a second. But we have Kyler Kirbyson on, uh, Kurt. For uh, you know, we we just we just spent a half hour or a little bit more talking about the Tennessee football uh, situation and, and Josh Heupel and how excited we are to have him. We're on the we're on the Texans. So, what do you think about Dave Culley? I mean, obviously he was your first first GA. So, you know, what does he bring to the table for the for the Texans? Did they make the right move here? Well, in, in my playbook, I, he did. They did. Uh, he's he's earned uh, this opportunity uh, all along. I did, as Kyler's mentioned, I did think the offensive coordinator and still shocking that he doesn't have the head coaching job, but things, things are working out, will work out for him. But uh, just the things he did at Kansas City Chiefs, but David Culley is a great coach. He's uh, been at some great programs. He was with, he's an Andy, Andy uh, Reed guy. So he was with him in Philadelphia. He was with him in Kansas city. Then he went with uh, Buffalo for a season. Then he was with Baltimore the last two years. He'll bring a lot of energy he gets the room excited. He has a wisdom about him. He has a charisma about him. I think he's going to make a good adjustment to being a head coach in role. And I look forward to hopefully their quarterback and him coming to coming to some terms. Does he have a Does he have a chance at Deshaun Watson? Or does that ship sail? Do you think, Kyle? Well, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know either. I, I think I think it's not up to him. I think Deshaun is mad at you know, the people around him and not necessarily really, I mean, 
and that just puts Cully behind the eight ball where it's hard to have a conversation with someone when they hate your boss so yeah. much. And I think, I think maybe the ship has sailed. And, you know, Deshaun Watson, uh, I mean, he's kind of mentioned that, you know, he's willing to, you know, pull Le'Veon Bell to sit, to, you know, do what he has to do to make sure he goes to where he wants to go or gets the trade that he wants. Um, because he wants to be at a winning program. He wants to be able to do what he needs to do. And he just doesn't think that the culture around there is what he needs at this point. I'll say this. I think at this point they have to trade him. I, I think it would be really tough on uh, even a, a veteran coach to have a player like that, as you said, Kyler, who hates your boss and is demanding a trade. It is extremely tough on a rookie coach to have your star be disgruntled and not be a leader in that locker room. Kurt? I just I, – I, I echo the same things that Captain Craig Ladd is saying. Definitely 100%. If he's unhappy, uh, let's get him traded. You know, the big thing, though, he's going to miss out. If he gets traded to the New York football Jets or New York football Giants or wherever, there's a lot of state income taxes – Texas is a state that does not have an income tax, so he is going to take a big a big hit. But, uh, yeah, let's get him out. He's got to be the face of your franchise. And uh, maybe Coach Culley could get in there and uh, recruit and uh, attract a, a top pick at quarterback and groom him for the Texans moving forward. Yeah, no doubt. Well, what about the opportunity of possibly Miami? Because they're talking about, you know, maybe trading Tua and that – you know, third pick overall they have to Houston, which was actually their pick in the first place. And you get a quarterback in Tua, you get a first-round pick, a high first-round pick. And, I mean, it almost seems like everybody wins in that scenario. You're able to get a guy who doesn't necessarily want to be there out and bring in a quarterback that's actually pretty good. Yep. Uh, does Tunsil get to stay in Houston? Does he stay as a lineman? <laughs> if he stays, if he stays and I get Tua and a third pick, that deal's done. That's us roll, yeah, Texans. And, <laughs> and, you have a, and you have a possibility of getting Devontae Smith at that point, too, to, to go along with Tua. Uh, I don't know if you guys have paid attention to Alabama football, but Tua used to throw passes to Devontae Smith. So yeah, uh, that, exactly. would be a, that would be a great fit there for uh, for Houston. So if they can get that deal, I would most definitely do that. And they'll be just fine because they still have Will Fuller. They still have some pieces. David Johnson's a solid running back. They need to add depth because uh, Johnson is, is starting to break down. So um, lots, of, lots of interesting things happening. I think it's a win-win uh, for both parties if, if that trade happens, Kyler. Hey, yeah. hey, I'll say this, guys. I, if I'm Miami, I'd do that too. Yeah. Because I, I, Miami was the surprise of the NFL. There is no way I thought they would have the season they had. I was penciling them in to battling the Jets uh, for last in that division. But they're close. And to get Deshaun Watson, that puts you right in the hunt for a Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, they have weapons. They have Miles Gaskin, uh, that uh, – Savon Ahmed guy that uh, back backing him up. They have Preston Williams, Devontae Parker, uh, Mike Gesicki. I mean, they have weapons in place for for Deshaun. That's an attractive offense to jump into. And, and Tua didn't necessarily fit in with that offense, um, 
but that's okay. I mean, he can he can go to Houston and fit in fit in well there. And if he gets Devontae Smith, he can fit in even better. So I, I like it. I like it. I think that would be great for the AFC East uh, to to have Josh Allen, Deshaun Watson in the same division with whoever the Jets decide to go with. If they go with Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, or if they stick with Sam Darnold, I think you're going to have three great quarterbacks in that division and then whatever New England decides to do with that position. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, Miami's problem this past year, you know, the games that they did lose is just – not necessarily having their quarterback step up and Fitzgerald, you know, not doing exactly what he needs to do to coming in and, you know, being the rookie that he is and trying to figure things out. And it's, there wasn't a solid piece at quarterback. I mean, if there was a solid piece there, they could have easily been in the playoffs, easily been a wild card or just competed for the division with, with Buffalo. Um, you know, maybe take a game or two away from them, but yeah, I think it's a great. I think it's a great aspect on both both sides. Yeah, I think that'd be a great trade, uh, Kyler. Who's your Who's your NFL team? Do you Do you have one? Uh, yeah, so I, I root for the Titans. I grew up in Knoxville, so okay. you know I've always rooted for the Tennessee sports. So yeah, I'm a big big Titans fan. Arthur Smith to the Falcons. How big of a blow is that to the Titans, and how big of an upgrade is that for the Falcons? Uh, I think it's a huge upgrade for the for the Falcons. Uh, it does stink uh, for the Titans. <laughs> Two years in a row, we have our offensive coordinators taken away. But, um, you know, all of the players in Tennessee speak very highly of him. Uh, he was here since 2009, I believe, as, you know, offensive line coach, a tight end coach, and just worked his way up to the OC job. And everyone speaks glowingly of him. I think he is a great offensive mind. I think he's going to be able to do a lot of good stuff with the players in Atlanta. I mean, there are so many weapons there. It's, it's, does he do a it with Matt candy Ryan. store? Does he, does he have success with Matt Ryan? I mean, did anybody think anyone could have success with Ryan Tannehill? No, exactly. And, so and Arthur Smith was able to do that. And Matt Ryan, you know, won an MVP not too long ago. So I think, I think you can keep, and I, I don't necessarily think you have to go after another quarterback. I think you keep Matt Ryan and, and uh, have him play a role that he can play at manage the game, um, you know, get some play action passes going. Uh, he can't quite move the same as Tannehill, but, you know, he, he's probably got a better arm than Tannehill does. So, and is better at decision making than Tannehill is um, via the pick versus Baltimore. So I think I think Arthur Smith can do a lot uh, with Matt Ryan, with that entire offense, with Julio Jones, and they should be excited. They should if, definitely be excited uh, down in Atlanta and excited to, to have him a part of their team. Well, for the Falcons, they need to be able to get stellar offensive line play. They need to be able to keep Matt Ryan upright. I think he led the league in, in getting sacked uh, last yeah. year under – under uh, now retired Dirk Cutter, which I think Falcons fans are, are excited to see him retire. So uh, yeah. we thought we had it bad with Sark, and then uh, Dirk Cutter comes in, and it got even worse. So hopefully, just with Arthur Smith just being able to do a little bit more in the play action game, that might help Matt Ryan flourish. Because when he was with Kyle Shanahan, they did a lot of that run heavy play action, bootleg, yep. move the pocket, get the ball out quick type stuff, and and he was MVP. So. 
that's the part I'm excited about. They just need to now, I think they need to get a running back uh, that can be somewhat or potential the, the caliber of Derrick Henry. Maybe they jump up, trade back in and get Najee Harris. Maybe they can get Najee Harris in the second round. I don't know. That would be, I mean, that would be the, the seamless transition to get another big Alabama running back. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's, I think it is the biggest thing about your, you know, your sack total is your run game. And it's so weird to say that, but having a great run game can really help you to protect the quarterback. The guys aren't, you know, pinning their ears back, getting off the ball like that. You're not forced into a lot of third and longs. The defense is guessing necessarily at what you're going to do on the play. And that helps a lot. I mean, it, it, it really does. And I think it will even up your offensive line play and make it to where they're not having to be on their heels the entire time. You don't want to pass it, you know, two to three times more than you run it. You want it to be even uh, to keep those defenders guessing. No doubt. Kurt? Just a little Titans news, guys. Uh, Todd Downing has been named to replace Arthur Smith. He was the tight ends coach uh, for the Titans this year. He was an OC for the Raiders in 17. He's been around the league as a quarterback coach and a tight ends coach. And, and it's come out also that Vrabel has officially named Shane Bowen as the defensive coordinator, uh, which he let everyone know at the end of the year that he was pretty much doing it, but he didn't have the title. Yeah. Yeah, I, I honestly enjoy the hiring within uh, aspect of it that, you know, Vrabel brought those guys in, loved what they did, and then – hired him and promoted him. Um, and, you know, I was kind of looking at, you know, the Raiders back in 2017 when he was there to see offensively how they were. I mean, they were middle of the pack, um, so I'm not quite sure exactly how well he will do. But we got a lot of good offensive pieces, um, you know, just a stable quarterback in Tannehill, an amazing running back in Derrick Henry, road graders up front on the offensive line, uh, you know, bringing Taylor Lewan back after the ACL injury, A.J. Brown coming back healthy. I mean, Buddy was hurt the entire season and still made the Pro Bowl. Um, and then maybe bringing in one more wide receiver to complete the offense and, and really get us where we need to be. Yeah, I think the Titans, that's a great, great point there, Kyler. Uh, and then how about that uniqueness of the tight end position? Uh, jumping to the front of the line, calling the play. So yeah. it happened with uh, with Arthur Smith, and then now with the new new addition, uh, new coordinator from that tight end position. That's a trend. So that's interesting that Brable's done that. And uh, well, what what a good thing he's developed two NFL head coaching jobs positions. So speaks worthy for him and the Titans' success. And uh, it's good. That's that's a good. Those are all good things. Uh, and Coach Burton, knowing your love for Atlanta. And uh, Falcons, I, I think that's that's really neat that uh, you've gotten to see uh, locally uh, how it's done with them, and then now how they're going to progress and get things going with uh, their their quarterback there in Atlanta. So it's a good yeah, move. I think it's win win. So it's really yeah. exciting times for the Titans and the Falcons. And Todd Downing did a tremendous job with the tight ends. Uh, see if they can keep Johnny Smith. Johnny Smith's set to be an unrestricted free agent, but you know you have Ferkser, uh Pruitt also. 
in, in the fold. All three contributed nicely uh, for the Titans, especially when Johnny was down with injury. So, I mean, Todd Downing earned it, man. He earned it. He learned the system. He he must have been Arthur Smith's right-hand man uh, on, on that offense. Um, I would like to see Tony Dews get a chance somewhere because he's done a tremendous job with the running back position. Not only Derrick Henry because, I mean, I mean, it's easy to coach Derrick Henry. You just get the hell out of his way. But, um, yeah. you know, with, with the backups, I think they've been they've been since losing uh, that guy that we lost, Deion Lewis. I couldn't think of his name for a second. Um, the guys that we had coming in behind him, they're still – I can't remember their names, but they – you know, when they come in, they, they have quality reps. And so that that speaks volumes uh, for that position as well. And Tony Dews, and I wanted to give him a shout-out because he's done a tremendous job for the Titans. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I, I think Vrabel has gotten him a lot of good coaches around him, which has made him successful there. And I think it's, you know, his leadership is is the most important part of, of what goes into it because a lot of times head coaches aren't about the X's and O's anymore. It's 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 more about leadership and motivation and, and, and being able to pick the right guys that are underneath you that are actually worrying about the X's and O's and he's done such a great job doing that. And it, I mean, it speaks for itself. You have, you know, two head coaches, like Kurt said, in the NFL now because, you know, they worked under you and, and uh, were able to have success. So I'm excited for the Titans' future. I think this year is probably the biggest one. Uh, I think this is our chance this upcoming year is our, our legit, I don't want to say last chance, but kind of to to get to the Super Bowl to be able to make the Super Bowl before it gets a little out of hand in the a, in the AFC and and you know Mahomes gets on a run and the Bills start really getting good and and um, I think this this is the this is the year if there's going to be one. Well, Kyler too. You look at the AFC South. Jacksonville is going to have Trevor Lawrence. Indianapolis is going to have a new quarterback. Don't know who that's going to be. Maybe Matt Stafford. And, and then, well, yeah. that's very true. It could very well be. And then the Texans, obviously, none of us think it's going to be Deshaun Watson. So you're right. The this is the year. I mean, yeah. you've got by far the most experienced quarterback in your division. Yeah, and, exactly. And a system that has that's going to see it's going to be slightly different in the play calling, but it's not going to it's going to be the same system. So you have that continuity coming back, which has got to be exciting for for that offense. Yeah, I mean you can't you can't try and change up your offense when you have Derrick Henry back there. It's got to be run centric, um, getting him in space, some outside zones. You know, having him those cutback lanes he loves so much. It's it's got to be on his shoulders like we did last year. That's that's what's going to bring us success. And uh, you know, I'm not excited uh, for Trevor Lawrence and Urban Meyer to be a tag team down in Jacksonville because I can only imagine the kind of success they'll have, uh, in years to come because Trevor's an amazing quarterback and Urban's an amazing coach. And it, it, it really does stink to see that, uh, come together in yeah, our they, own division. They've got some pieces to, to add back on defense, but they, their offense got some, Got some solid unproven pieces. I mean, they've got outside of DJ Shark, they've got a pretty nice receiving core down there. So, uh, Jacksonville, um, Jacksonville, Philly, LA, the LA Chargers, I should say, uh, and the Detroit Lions. Who who made the best hire in the Jets? Who made the best hire out of those? Uh. 
Well, I would want to say Jacksonville just because Urban Meyer has that resume underneath him. Um, I think Campbell is a good hire for Detroit. He's uh, biting kneecaps. He's biting kneecaps. He is, he is uh, like I said before, the ultimate motivator uh, of men. And, and uh, He hired Brunel. Yeah. And uh, that's kind of what you want in a head coach. Um, but uh, I also like the Jets. I also like them, you know, bringing in um, the guy from 49ers. Sala. I think Sala. Yeah. I mean, he did an amazing job in 2019 with that defense and probably a more impressive job with all the injuries he had to deal with this year with that defense and, um, you know, still having them be successful. And, I think Jets fans love it. Will love it so much because he is a complete opposite of what Adam Gase is. He's defensive minded. He's no nonsense, uh, and he's someone who has been to a Super Bowl before, had success, and I like it. But I, I would, I maybe it's my bias because I am a Titans fan. I feel like the Jaguars and what they did, what they were able to do was huge for them because honestly I could see Trevor Lawrence pulling a John Elway and just saying like, nah, I don't want to go there. I want to go where I want to go or an Eli Manning, you know, wanting to go somewhere else because they see it as not a winning program, not somewhere where they can have success. And for them to go and get Urban Meyer was their way of saying, Trevor, you can come here. We'll be okay. You're going to love this head coach. So they did They had, They had. did the right move with that. Duval, man, Duval. So, uh, Kurt, let's uh, let's backtrack a little bit since you were uh, since you were a little bit late joining us. Uh, Josh Heupel, your thoughts. Did they make the right move? I think it's a win-win. I think it's an outstanding pick. The guy can run the offense. He can be in the seat as a head coach. And he has familiarity with the AD. So I think that's what you wanted to do. You didn't want to have someone in that head coaching spot that didn't have familiarity with the AD. They're on the same page. He's going to bring an up-tempo offense. Uh, When he got let loose at Oklahoma, he had to go reinvent himself. And he did that. And he stepped outside his box. And he really mastered his craft. And he's going to be a force to be reckoned with. Uh, he'll, He'll bring some energy. He'll bring some recruiting ties now that he's been in the Florida area. Tennessee needs that. And that name, you know, uh, a guy's, you know, he's been a national champion, Heisman Trophy. He's got a lot of credentials. uh, And so I think it's a great pick. I really do. I think it's an outstanding pick. And I think Danny White hit a home run. And I think the the president that hired Danny White, uh, I think that they did a great job. They they have a little foresight, foresight, and I appreciate that being a native Tennessean. I love it. Absolutely, we all agreed there. So, uh, before we before we wrap this show, Craig, uh, this time I think two episodes ago you were talking about uh, you, you you were going to hang up your Tennessee gear for a little while. You were a little bit embarrassed about everything that was happening. Uh, how do you feel now? Better until I find out how bad they're going to get hammered by the NCAA. And then I won't feel good again. And, well, and I told the college, you know, I have had the same feeling when the hammer came down on Bruce Pearl and yeah. it came out that he lied. I agree with you. Delay, tried to get his assistants to lie for him, et cetera. 
it just leaves a sour taste in your mouth and it leaves a sour taste uh, with the fact that I've got the sheepskin up here next to me that has University of Tennessee on it. And, and like I told them, I was embarrassed by all that went, went down. But I think everything that has happened since that point has been positive. People out there need to get a clue. Yeah. There's no way Matt Campbell is coming to Tennessee. There's no way James Franklin is coming to Tennessee. Tennessee's not going to pay them $9 million to come. And why would they come? What is the incentive for them to come? Tennessee's not going to pay them $9 million, and you're going to a place where you could commit coaching suicide because of the sanctions that are coming down on you. A Luke Fickle, not coming either. All of the above. So I think it was an excellent hire. I mean, nobody knows how Josh Heupel coaches, leads. He vetted him before. The same reasons he hired him at UCF, he hired him at Tennessee. Yep. No doubt. I completely agree. No doubt. Well, Kyler, we, we thank you for, for joining us. Uh, we're going to wrap here. Before we let you go, Kyler, tell us about your show, uh, Believe in Tennessee Football. Uh, it, it's come a long way. I remember when you first came on uh, the Believe Network, uh, Israel and I had you on the Believe in Georgia Dogs podcast. So how, how has things progressed since uh, since I last spoke to you? Uh, they're going good. Uh, you know, I release one every week, uh, Monday or Tuesday. Uh, you know, numbers are getting up there. I'm starting to have some guests on. Uh, I had Juwan James, a former VFL on, and Justin Hunter. Uh, you know, looking to get some more, trying to get some more offensive linemen, especially because that's that's what I am. There you go. And, uh, you know, just talk ball, talk about the things that are going on with the program, and, uh, you know, maybe even be able to break down some film that's happening and give people a perspective uh, from a former player and, and, and you know, what you see – knowing football in more, uh, let's say, X's and O's kind of way and, and understanding exactly what's going into coaching and what's going through a player's head when they're in a certain position. Um, so, yeah, I've been really enjoying it and, and loving the feedback from Vol Nation, and it's uh, they're always a fun bunch to, to be a part of, so I'm enjoying it. Absolutely. Well, uh, Kurt, any final words? Uh, just – it's exciting times uh, with coaching chatter. You know, we're getting coaches in place. Now we're assessing uh, where they went and uh, see if it's upgrade or, or, or what's going on. So it's exciting time with coaching chatter. Just, just happy about everything we're doing and the, the information we're getting out there. And love li- listening to Kyler. Sorry I missed it. I'll catch it back up. Uh, I know UT and uh, good luck with everything up there and, and uh, up on the big up on the big arms, the big mountain up there. I know they're going to be great. Appreciate <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I appreciate that. And, and hopefully, uh, we're, we're obviously, we're based in Tennessee uh, with the coaching chatter, so hopefully we can start in Nashville and sprout out to uh, Anchor Down Nation and Vol Nation and then on through the SEC with uh, with Georgia, Ole Miss, Alabama, Auburn, Tennessee, things like that. So uh, yeah. we're looking to spread. We're looking to spread the love conference-wide. We don't, we don't hyper-focus on one team. Uh, if you want a hyper-focus on Tennessee football, believe in Tennessee football with Kyler Kerbison. Uh, having some great guests on, some former teammates, things like that. Uh, so I, I, I'm excited at the direction not only of this show, but of the Believe Network and, and the, the Believe SEC uh, coverage. Uh, I, I said it in a previous post. I mean it. I stand by it uh, with our show, with your show, uh, Believe in Georgia Dogs, the other show I produce, uh, the uh, Believe in 
Ole Miss, believe uh, the the J Boy Show, believe in everything Auburn. Uh, let's see, I think they just I think they just signed on Tide Talk, um, a, a new show there, uh, the new Alabama centric show, uh, Hog Sports Talk uh, with Kyle Sutherland over there at Arkansas. Just a great network of SEC shows, and if I left you out in, in, in the SEC, uh, I apologize. But um, those are the ones I could think of off the top of my head. So uh, great things to come. Uh, the, the Believe Network is only growing. Our shows are only growing. So uh, this is a great time to be uh, within this podcasting world. We're going to blow the lid right off the podcasting uh, universe. So, Kyler, it was great to have you on. Uh, Kurt, Craig, um, as always, another great episode of the Coaching Chatter. You can find Craig at D Craig Lad on Twitter. You can find uh, Kurt Page at Kurt Page six twenty nine on Twitter. Uh, Soar Athletic Training on all social media platforms. Uh, if you are listening to this and, and you hear it soon enough, uh, come to the camp on Sunday, January thirty first. Uh, we we specialized or Soar Athletic Training specializes in the development of youth football players. Again, want to thank our sponsor Kenny Salas and the hometown team. You can visit him, find him on social media. He got all your realty needs in Wilson County and uh, wherever you may need them. Uh, he could probably help you. So. For that, for Kurt, Craig, and Kyler, I'm Corey Burton. This is the Coaching Chatter and another great episode in the books. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you back here next time. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.